0: Good evening. Tonight, we will be reading Eros and Psyche, a tale from ancient Greece. A certain king had three daughters who were known far and wide for their beauty. The most beautiful of all was the youngest, Psyche. When this youngest princess went into the temples, many people mistook her for Venus herself and offered her the garlands which they had brought for the goddess of love and beauty. The real Venus, much vexed by this, determined to be revenge on poor Psyche, who was in no way to blame. One day she told Eros, the god of love, to wound Psyche with one of his golden-pointed arrows and make her fall in love with some wretched beggar, the most degraded that could be found. Eros took his arrows and went down to the earth to do his mother's bidding. As soon as he saw Psyche, he was so startled by her wonderful beauty that he wounded himself with his own arrow. Consequently, instead of making Psyche fall in love with some ragged beggar, he himself fell in love with Psyche. Long before this, the two elder of the three beautiful sisters had been married to king's sons as befitted the rank of princesses, But in spite of her superior beauty, no lovers came to sue for the hand of the youngest sister. The king, suspecting that this might be caused by the wrath of Venus, inquired of the oracle what he should do. The answer that he received followed him no longer to doubt the anger of the gods. These were the words of the prophetess. Dress thy daughter like a bride, lead her up the mountainside, There, an unknown winged foe, feared by all who dwell below and even by the gods above, will claim her as a hawk the dove. The king was so overcome by grief but did not dare disobey. Therefore, one night Psyche's maid of honor dressed her in wedding garments, and a long procession of her father's people escorted her to the exposed rock at the top of the high mountain. Where they sat extinguished their torches and left her alone in darkness after the last sound of human footsteps had died away psyche sat weeping and trembling fearing every moment that she might hear the rushing wings of some dragon and feel his claws and teeth instead she felt the cool breath and downy wings of zephyrus the west wind who lifted her gently from the rock then puffed out his cheeks and blew her down into a beautiful green valley where he laid her softly on a bank of violets. This moonlit valley was so sweet and peaceful that Psyche forgot her fears and fall- fell asleep. When she woke in the morning, she saw a beautiful grove of tall trees and in the grove a most wonderful palace with a fountain in front of it. The great arches of the roof were supported by golden columns the walls were covered in silver carving, while the floor was a mosaic of precious stones of all colors. Psyche timidly entered the doors and wandered through the great rooms, each of which seemed more splendid than the last. She could see no one, but once or twice thought she heard low voices, as if the fairies were talking together. It might have been voices, or it might have been the trickling of the water in the fountain. Presently, she opened the door of a room, where a table was laid ready for a feast. Evidently, only one guest was expected, for there was but one chair and one cover. Psyche, half afraid, seated herself in the chair, and the fairies of the palace, or the nymphs, or for whatever beings the voices belonged to, came and waited on her, but not one of them could be seen she enjoyed a most appetizing repast. After the last dish had been whisked away by invisible hands, she heard music, a chorus of singing voices, and then a single voice, accompanied by a lyre, which seemed to play of itself. As the light faded away, the night came. Psyche began to tremble, for she feared that the owner of the palace might prove to be the winged monster of the oracle. And who had come to claim her. There were no locks nor bolts, and the doors and windows stood wide open, as if no thief nor evil creature of any kind had ever lived. When it had grown perfectly dark, so dark that she could not see her own hand, Psyche heard the sound of wings and then footsteps coming down the great hall. The footsteps came lightly and quickly to the low seat where she had been sitting, And then a voice, which was sweet and musical, said to her, Beautiful Psyche, this palace and all that it holds is yours, if you will consent to live here and be my wife. The voices you have heard are the voices of your handmaidens, who will obey any commands that you give them. Every night I will spend here with you, but before day comes I must fly away. Do not ask to see my face, nor to know who I am, only trust me, I ask nothing more." This speech took away Psyche's fear of immediately being eaten, at any rate, but still she could not quite be sure that this voice was not the voice of a monster. Her mysterious lover came to talk to her every night, and as he had said he would do, sometimes she looked forward to his coming with pleasure. Other times the sound of his wings filled her with terror. One day, while she was gathering roses within sight of the rock from which Zephyrus had blown her into the valley, she saw her two sisters on this rock, weeping, beating their breasts, and crying out as if mourning the dead. Hearing her own name, she knew that her sisters must be mourning for her, supposing that she had been devoured on this rock. These sisters of Psyche had not always been kind to her she now believed that they really loved her after all. That night, when her lover came in the dark, Psyche asked him if she might not see her sisters and let them know that she was alive and happy. She received an unwilling consent. The next day the sisters came again to the high rock and Zephyrus blew them down into the valley just as he had blown Psyche down. They were very much surprised to see the good fortune that had befallen their little sister, but instead of rejoicing at it, as they should have done, they were envious of her. They asked her a great many questions and were particularly curious about the owner of the palace. Psyche told them that he was away hunting in the mountains. Then Zephyrus, thinking that they were getting too inquisitive, whisked them away to the rock, and that was the end of their visit. After a time, Psyche grew tired of being so much alone, and wished to see her sisters again. Her lover gave his consent a second time, but warned her not to answer or even listen to any questions about himself, and told her, above all, that if she ever tried to see him face to face, he would be forced to fly away and leave her, and that the palace would also vanish. The next day, Zephyrus brought the sisters into the valley as before. These envious women had brooded over their sister's superior fortune till their minds were full of wicked thoughts, and between them they made a plan by which they were meant to destroy Psyche's happiness. They told her that the owner of the palace was, without a doubt, a most horrible winged serpent, the nameless monster of the oracle, and that the people who lived on the mountain had seen them coming down into that valley every day toward dusk. Although he seemed so kind, said they. He is only waiting his time to devour you. He knows that you would be terrified by his ugly scales, and this is the reason he has never ever allowed you to see him. But listen to the advice of your sisters who are older and wiser than you. Take this knife, and while your pretended friend is asleep, light a lamp and look at him. If our words prove to be true, strike off his head And save yourself from an awful death. With these words, her sister left Psyche the knife and hurried away. When they had gone, poor Psyche could not rid her mind of the fears their words had raised. Her faith was gone. If all were right, why was her lover so anxious to be hidden in the darkness? Why did he fear her sister's visits? Why did he have wings? Worst of all, She remembered with a shudder that she had once or twice heard a sound like the gliding of a serpent over the marble floors. Soon it grew dark, and she heard her lover coming. That night, she would not talk to him. Therefore, he went to a chamber where there was a couch, lay down, and fell asleep. Then Psyche, trembling with fear, lighted her lamp, took the knife, and stole to the couch where he lay. The light of the lamp fell full on his face, and Psyche saw no scaly serpent but Eros, or Love himself, the most beautiful of the gods. Golden curls fell down from his wonderful face, and his snow-white wings were folded in sleep, while the down on them, as delicate as that of the wings on a butterfly, stood faintly, set in motion by his quiet breathing. At his feet lay his bow and arrows. Psyche dropped her knife in horror at the deed it might have done. Then taking up an arrow curiously, she pricked her finger on its golden point. Holding her lamp high above her head, she turned to look at Eros again, and now for the first time in love with love, gazed at him in an ecstasy of happiness. But her hand trembled, and a drop of hot oil fell on the shoulder of the god. He opened his eyes looked at her reproachfully, and then flew away without a word. The beautiful palace vanished, and Psyche found herself alone. Then Psyche began the long search for her lost Eros. She met Pan, Ceres, and Juno, one after the other, but none of them could help her. At last, she went to Venus herself, thinking that the Mother of Love would be kind to her for love's sake. Eros, at this time, lay in the palace of Venus, suffering from the wound caused by the burning oil. Venus knew all that had happened, for a gull had flown to her and told her. She was very angry, and as punishment imposed certain almost impossible tasks upon Psyche. First, the goddess pointed to a great heap of seeds, the food of the doves that drew her carry it and one of the little arrows, sparrows, that accompanied her on her journeys. It was composed of wheat, barley, millet, and other kinds of seed, all mixed carelessly together. Take these, said Venus, and separate them grain by grain. Place each kind by itself, and finish the task before nightfall. Poor Psyche had no courage to begin the task, but sat with drooping head and folded hands. Then a little ant ran out from under a stone and called the whole army of the ant people, who came for love's sake, and quickly separated the seeds, laying each kind by itself. When Venus came at the close of the day and saw that Psyche's task was finished, she was very much surprised, and throwing the poor girl a coarse piece of bread, remarked that a harder task would be set for her in the morning. Accordingly, when morning came, Venus took Psyche to the bank of a broad river, and pointing to a grove on the opposite shore where a flock of sheep with golden wool were feeding, said, Bring me some of that wool. Psyche would have plunged immediately into the river if some reeds on the bank had not whispered to her, Do not go near those sheep now. They are fierce creatures when the sun is high. Wait till the song of the river has lulled them to sleep, then go and pick all of the wool you like from the brushes the sheep have left it clinging. So Psyche waited till the sun was low, then crossed the river and came back with her arms full of golden wool. Venus, seeing Psyche return in safety, was angrier than ever. You never did this by yourself, said she. Now we will see whether you are wise and prudent enough to become the Bride of Arrows. Take this crystal vase and fill it with water from the Fountain of Forgetfulness. This fountain was at the top of a very high mountain. The water gushed forth from a smooth rock, far higher than anyone could climb. And as it rushed down its narrow channel, it shouted, fly from me, beware, you will perish. On either side of the black stream was a cave and in each cave lived a fierce dragon. When Psyche came to the palace and saw this, she was so horrified that she could not move or speak. Nevertheless, she accomplished this task also, for Jupiter's eagle, to whom love had been kind, took the crystal vase and filled it for her at the fountain. Psyche ran back to Venus with the water, hoping to please her this time, but Venus was still angry. You are a witch, said she, or you could not do these things. However, here is one task more. Take this box, carry it down into the underworld and ask persephone if you may not bring back to me some of her beauty when psyche heard this she felt sure that venus meant to destroy her and thinking that it was of no use to struggle longer against the persecutions of the goddess she climbed up to the stairway of a lofty tower intending to throw herself down from the top but the stones of the tower cried out to her listen psyche from yonder dark chasm choked with thorns, a path leads down to the underworld. Take a piece of barley bread in each hand and two pieces of money in your mouth, then follow this rough path. When you come to the River of the Dead, Carrion will ferry you over one of your, over for one of your pieces of money. When you reach the gate of Pluto's palace, where Cerberus keeps watch, give that fierce dog one of the pieces of bread and he will let you pass. You can then enter the palace where Persephone is queen. She will give you a portion of her beauty, shutting it into the box, and you can return by the same way, giving the remaining piece of bread to Cerberus, and the remaining piece of money to Carrion. One thing more, I charge you, do not, by any means, look into the box. Psyche was thankful indeed for the advice, and followed it in every particular order but one. When she was returning, she forgot the warning about not looking in the box. Since love had flown away from her, her suffering had been so great that her beauty was nearly gone. Therefore, thinking that it might not be wrong to take a very little of Persephone's beauty for herself, she raised the lid of the box. With A strange, invisible something rushed from it and overcame her. She fell into a deep sleep and might have never waked again if love, cured of all of his wounds, had not passed by and seen her. The god shook her till she was awake again, then sent her back to her mother with the box while he flew straight to Mount Olympus and laid the case before Jupiter. The king of the gods, after hearing the story, said that Psyche should be made immortal and should become the bride of Eros. Mercury was sent immediately to bring Psyche up to Mount Olympus where the gods had all gathered for a great feast. Jupiter himself handed this mortal maid the cup of sacred nectar, of which whoever drinks will live forever. Psyche drank from the golden cup and straightway two beautiful butterfly-like wings sprang from her shoulders and she became like the gods and all things. After this, she was wedded to Eros, who never flew away from her again. Apollo sang, and Venus, in her anger forgotten, danced at the wedding. And not long after, Eros and Psyche gave birth to a beautiful baby girl named Hope. The End